0: Back to this one's a doozy. I'm Kevin, and I'm Haley, and we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago.
1: Yes, we've got that fresh summer shorts music.
0: That's right. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I love <laughs> it's it. Really intense there. I, I was trying to be. Yeah. I I really like it. It's got that got that eerie mood that I like. Yeah, it's good mood. Well, my dear. I will ask you what you're drinking here in just a moment, but I feel like we both are going to have a similar reasoning for why we're drinking what we're drinking.
1: Because of the 105 degrees.
0: Yes. All yes. the heat.
1: It is all so the heat hot. around here. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah. So with that in mind, what are you drinking?
1: I honestly hydrate or dehydrate. I went for the tall ice water.
0: I literally watched you take that thing from empty to full, chug half of it, and then refill the rest of it back to the top. <laughs> yep. But before we recorded. Yep. So, I mean, I believe you.
1: Mm-hmm. What about you? What do you have?
0: Well, I'm I'm having an alternative water, A.K.A. Old Reliable Lacroix, the uh, limoncello flavor. That's which your is favorite. My favorite by far. Mm-hmm. I did get made fun of today at work for liking Lacroix, <laughs> but that was because the dude that was making fun of me was like. 22 years old. So I'm like, you'll understand one day. Or he won't. Or he won't. He might
1: be like me. <laughs> I won't make fun of That's you though. I won't fair. make fun of you though. I genuinely wish I liked it. It's hard for me to find things that aren't full of sugar that I like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fair. Mm. I do like this a lot though. But that is also part of why I'm drinking it, is because I'm like, Hmm, I do need to stay dehydrated and it's very hot. Even still,
1: you need to stay dehydrated.
0: N- Oh, yeah. I need to stay hydrated and not be dehydrated. Are you okay?
1: Do you need some of my water?
0: <laughs> no, I've got this.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All uh, right. Okay.
0: Well, as uh, maybe many of our listeners know, maybe not, we typically will do a feel-good fact leading into our story. But for the summer shorts, we've got a slightly different feel-good or slightly different uh, kind of fun thing we do. Yeah. Which
1: is... So recommend slash do not recommend. Mm-hmm. So I'll pick a theme and then you and I will either recommend something or not recommend something within that theme. Yes. So today I thought it would be a fun theme because the county fair is rolling in.
0: Mm, is it it's really? that
1: time of year yeah. where county fairs are going to start popping up all across the U.S. and yes. maybe even beyond. I don't know. If you do a county fair and you're not in the U.S., I want you to tell me about it. Yeah. So I thought let's talk Fair, fair.
0: Oh, so fair, fair foods. Fair. Yes, yes.
1: I feel like this one might end up just being recommends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick the old reliable, which I feel like this is a must uh-huh. at any fair experience. Is the funnel cake?
0: Yeah, there's
1: so many topping options, Oof, classic. but I think beyond just the powdered sugar,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's like a must. Must is the powdered sugar. I love to do like raspberry. Yeah. And like fruity fillings on All the top. good stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That is fun and so tasty. I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the only time I ever get them is when when I'm, when we go to the fair. Yeah. That's it. But they're so good.
0: That does sound amazing.
1: Do you have For a recommendation? Me,
0: here's, here is my do not recommend.
1: Oh, okay. I'm surprised. I, I
0: actually can think of a do not recommend. I do not recommend the hot dogs. Just the regular plain hot dogs. Here's why. When you go to the county fair, there are so many options of incredible things. Mm. And the hot dogs just get kind of the last like thoughts. It's if, if you're going to the county fair, you have the option of a corn dog that has sure. been cared for. You have the option of ice cream, fried ice cream.
1: Fried butter on a stick. Fried
0: butter on a stick even. But I the don't regular, recommend that, but I've never tried it. The regular hot dogs, they're always just kind of like, oh, yeah, they were just kind of thrown into a pan and just kind of sort of sort of grilled, but not really. Yeah. Just doesn't get a lot of care. Maybe I can be proven wrong at some point, but I've never had a hot dog at the fair that I've been impressed with. Every single one okay. has been really a bummer.
1: Okay. That's actually a really solid do not recommend. That's,
0: that's right. Take that. Bears. Anyway, (laughs) with that, let's go ahead and make a turn into our story this week. What do you have for us?
1: We are coming at you with a very mysterious story indeed. So from 1981 to 1982, a young couple in London, Ohio, were being terrorized in their own home by a towering stalking beast. Mm. Their home backed up into a heavily wooded area one that the husband had hunted many times, but when he spotted tracks leading from his house into the woods, they were nothing like he'd ever seen before. After several long, terrifying months, the incidents with the beast stopped altogether, but it would be a humble cabin in the woods near their home that would leave them with a pit in their stomach and with far more questions than answers. Oh, okay. This is the story of Diane and Keith Williams. Hang on, Kev. This one's a doozy.
0: Ooh, I feel like... For some reason I feel like I've heard these names before. Diane Maybe you Keith have. Williams. I'll
1: be I'll be excited if you haven't. Uh-huh. Cuz this one is like the the twists and turns okay. are so twisty and turny. Yeah. Well, okay. and those
0: names could be just generic sounding enough. That sure. be like
1: They're pretty common names. Yeah,
0: it could be. Sure. Okay.
1: So at the time of today's story, Diane and Keith Williams were a young couple in search of their dream home in their hometown of London, Ohio. They had both grown up in town together and were actually childhood sweethearts, which is really cute. So while the hunt was on for their forever home, the couple and their four-year-old daughter, Raven, were happy and excited. Like it was a happy time Mm -hmm. in life. (laughs) London, Ohio is about 25 miles southwest of Columbus and has a population of around 10,000 people. In the 80s, there were less than 2,000 residents. So it was pretty rural and like a close-knit community at the time. It was like the everybody-knows-everybody kind of town. Yeah. After searching for their new home for a short while, Diane actually was the one who found the perfect house. A cute little house just outside of town. So it had a small backyard that backed up straight into the woods. It was scenic and peaceful, and it was just right for them. Diane and Keith were really just your average family. Mm -hmm. They'd been married for about six years at this time. Uh, Keith was a super busy guy, working as a welder during the day, and then he went to night school and had like a welding apprenticeship program that he was a part of at night. So he would be gone for like a solid 12 hours every day. And Diane would stay home with their daughter, Raven, and take care of her and the home while Keith was out.
0: Sure. For the most part,
1: like things were smooth sailing. It was their routine. They were used to, they were used to it. Yeah. Life was also kind of starting to feel normal, like they were settling into a new place. But this would be short-lived. So the strange occurrences started out small. Diane would be at home with Raven at night. And Raven would either be like off playing or laying down for bed while Diane was cleaning up the house. And she would hear noises outside, sometimes a rustling noise. But the one that caught her attention was one that she described as scampering just Hmm. outside of the window, which there's something very ominous about that word. Yeah. Well,
0: when you say it like that, too, there's scampering. Yeah. Okay. Hmm.
1: It was dark. So she couldn't see anything when she would look out of the window. But that noise did lead her to wonder if maybe there was just an animal running around the perimeter of her house yeah. or just somewhere in their yard. She would look out the window of her kitchen and wouldn't see anything. And at first she didn't really think too much of it, but she would kind of make a mental note about the scampering noises whenever she would hear them. <laughs> she wasn't really a nervous person and she was very confident about staying home alone with Raven, even on the family's isolated property because she'd literally lived her entire life in the country.
0: So oh, it was like regular yeah. like yeah.
1: night noises okay. when you're in the country. So
0: she's able to... Flag things that maybe sound a little bit out of the ordinary, but also do kind of belong
1: there. Right. Exactly. That's fair. Yeah. And it like, she was pretty much like, it's not anything I can't handle, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. they're inside. So it's not a big deal. Right. So it started to become a pretty regular song and dance, so to speak. She would hear the noises. She would look out all of the windows and wouldn't see anything. She'd then go check on Raven, who was always just fine. And that was the end of it. The occurrences would become more frequent and more frightening very quickly, however. Oh, man. Okay. So one night in the late summer of 1981, Diane had just put Raven down for bed. She went back downstairs to the kitchen and was washing dishes when she suddenly heard the scampering noise. There was a window above the kitchen sink that looked out into the yard and beyond into the woods. So she peeked outside and initially she didn't see anything. She kept working on the dishes and that's when she noticed just at the edge of the woods, like right on the property line to the backyard, there was a pair of golden eyes that appeared to be looking at her. Ooh. She actually was not very afraid at first and she just assumed that it was a dog. So she kept tidying around the home. And that's when the eyes appeared right up against the window. Oh my gosh. Diane was shocked because whatever this thing was, was not a dog. From far away, it looked like it could have been, but when the eyes were close to the window, they were at her eye level. So she was face to face With whatever this thing is, and it's clearly the size of a human, like a man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My mind went to maybe like a dog on its hind legs, which is equally as creepy. (laughs) Yeah. But Diane said that whatever or whoever it was, it was way too tall to be like a known Mm -hmm. animal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So she quickly closed all of the like curtains to the windows. The fear of being watched like instantly Mm -hmm. seizing her. Oh, for sure.
0: That's how I would feel.
1: Yeah, so she's like frantically closing all of the blinds and the curtains and stuff. As she was closing the curtains, the eyes would keep appearing in each of the different windows as she as she would like run oh. around to different ones. She'd just like see them there. Right. She'd go to the next one and they were there. Beat her there. Yeah, oh isn't that gosh. creepy? Yeah. This continued for a few minutes before Keith got home, finding his wife hysterically afraid, something that was very out of character for her. She told him what she'd seen, adamant that whatever it was, it was big, and it seemed to be purposely stalking her as she tried to hide from it by closing the curtains. Keith reassured her that everything was okay and he would go take a look around. He grabbed a flashlight and he walked around the property, not seeing anything out of the ordinary whatsoever. In his mind, Keith wondered if Diane was simply like scaring herself, like getting herself freaked out, or if maybe being home on such an isolated property all the time was starting to get to her and it was making her more nervous Mm. than either of them had really been able to clock. Sure, yeah. Which, like, those things can totally sneak up on you. Yeah, So when he went back inside and told her that he didn't see anything and that she was probably just freaking herself out, that conversation went just about as well as you would think it would, (laughs) (laughs) which would be not great. Right. (laughs) Diane was mad and, like, offended. She had seen something, and she was very afraid, and her husband didn't believe her. Keith told her that, like, okay... I know you would never lie to me. And I believe that you believe that you saw something. But there was there's probably just a logical explanation yeah. for it. Or, or it was your reflection. Like he tried to like kind of laundry list out mm-hmm. the potential explanations because he saw right. no indication that anything or anybody had been in the yard. Right. So an experience like this would happen again a few more times while Diane and Raven were home alone at night, to the point that Diane was so sick of it, she was ready to move out.
0: Wow. She went from like
1: being so in love with her home and her property to like, we have to get out of here now. Yeah. The problem was that they'd sunk all of their money into their house and it straight up was just not an option for them to move. Mm. So I'm not really going to describe the other encounters that she would have at the window because they're pretty much identical to the first one. She'd be alone cleaning. She'd hear the scampering. Golden eyes would appear at the window right above or at eye level. She'd frantically attempt to shut off the lights and close the curtains so the prowler outside couldn't see her. She'd check on Raven, who was fine. Mm-hmm. Keith would come home and would not believe her. That's pretty much the gist of all of wow. them. Wow. Yeah. It, it did happen frequently enough that it's like, I mean, I can't, I can't put myself in those shoes to be like regularly terrorized. I can't right. imagine what that would feel like, you yeah. know? So as you can imagine, this was a very stressful time for both of them. There was a tension between the two as Diane begged to be believed and Keith simply couldn't because he would never find anything when he would go looking. Right. At one point, Diane was so scared during one of her encounters that she called the police and reported that someone was stalking her from outside of her house. When Keith arrived home from night school, he pulled up to what looked like a crime scene, the lights from the police cruisers flashing as officers combed the property with their flashlights in search of a stalker. And I'm sure you can guess how this one turned out as well. Mm. Police didn't find anything. No evidence of anyone or anything on their property. Oh, man. And like every time this would happen, they would fight about it.
0: Right, right. This, man, it takes me to like, like I'm equally sad and I'm also like horrified for her. I know, poor Diane. Yeah, there's so much like extreme emotion Mm-hmm. When this kind of a thing happens. Right. And uh, and it's just that much harder when not only your husband doesn't believe you, but then you call the cops who show up and do a sweep of the place and it doesn't seem like anything's going on.
1: And from like, what I understand, like they searched, like yeah. the, at least the woods near the house. Yeah. They didn't go into like the deeper part of the woods. Sure. But like they looked and they didn't find anything. Man.
0: Oh, It'd be horrifying.
1: Yeah, totally. So things would chill out for the next couple of months. There would be like sporadic sightings or experiences, whatever you want to call them. Sure. Until the tides would turn and Keith would have an encounter of his own.
0: Oh man. Okay.
1: In late November or early December, London was having its first snowfall of the year. Keith woke up early one morning, like before sunrise. Mm-hmm. And so while everyone else slept, he thought it would be a nice idea to head into town and pick up donuts as like a little surprise treat for his family. Yeah. So he was still kind of waking up as he walked towards the car and climbed in. He started the car and he rubbed the sleep from his eyes and looked up into the rearview mirror so that he could pull out. He put the car in reverse. And as he turned on the lights, a pair of intense golden eyes were looking at him from behind the car. Ooh. So he quickly pulled out at like as fast as he could and put the car in park. He grabbed a flashlight from the garage and then he looked around like, okay, I think I saw something.
0: Man. But I'm not
1: totally sure. He actually was wondering if his mind was playing tricks on him because yeah. he was not fully awake or something like that. Sure. And so just as he was prepared to turn back to the car, something caught his eye. There in the fresh snow was a pair of tracks on the ground. Keith's stomach dropped when he noticed that the tracks led directly towards his house and then onto the lower part of his roof and then up towards the top of the roof.
0: Oh, no. So
1: he it was dark. He couldn't see what it was, but there was definitely something on his roof. Yeah. And so he quickly called his longtime friend, Dennis, and told him to come over as quickly as he could. When Dennis arrived, Keith was locked and loaded with his hunting rifle, like just waiting in the yard. Yeah. Dennis was like, okay, what are you doing with that gun? Yeah. This is kind of weird. Though the two were longtime hunting buddies, this was not a normal state that Keith was in. Mm -hmm. He was agitated. He was freaked out. He had a gun in his hand. Right. Something was off. Right. So Keith explained what was going on and that there was a creature on the roof. While they were talking, they both heard a loud thud and ran towards the source of the noise. Mm -hmm. There on the ground, a solid 20 feet into the center of the yard, the creature had jumped.
0: What? From the top
1: of the house to the ground so it clearly could not have been a person oh my
0: gosh yeah
1: whatever it was had jumped from two stories high 20 feet out into the yard what could even do that yeah that's a major leap yeah next to the marking of where the creature had landed a set of tracks took off towards the woods the men still hadn't caught a glimpse of the actual creature but they were absolutely shocked at the tracks They appeared to be barefoot human footprints, but they were over a foot in length, somewhere around 14 inches long, with long claw marks at the end. What? Like, what could make tracks like that? And so the chase was on. Uh Uh-huh. Dennis and Keith, both armed and ready to take this thing down, took off into the woods following the tracks. On top of just receiving a heavy snow, it was still dark and the woods were thick. Dense groupings of trees and brush brought the visibility down to only a few feet at a time. Mm-hmm. And so when the men split up, they had to be extra careful not to mistake each other for the beast. So they're just like right. trudging through these dark woods before the sun has even come up. Oh my God. Chasing an oh. unknown creature. With each step, the tension grew, and while both men were experienced hunters and trackers, the anticipation and genuine fear that they felt was something that was like new territory for both of them. Mm -hmm. For hours into the late morning, the men followed the tracks. Eventually, the tracks led to a small clearing, and both men were surprised to see where they led. The tracks led to a tiny cabin in the middle of the woods. They led to the back door of the cabin and then vanished. So whatever it was had gone inside of the cabin. Wow. Oh
0: my gosh. Weird. So weird.
1: They looked into the windows and they couldn't see anything. Like it was just too dark. Mm -hmm. And so Dennis, overcome with a sudden sense of anger, started pounding on the door, urging whoever was inside to come out. Yeah. This went on for about a minute. And that's when Keith realized that what they were doing was super not okay. They were standing on someone's porch, screaming at them to come outside while both of them were holding high-powered hunting rifles. Sure. It's like a huge no-no. Yeah. After some convincing, Dennis agreed that they needed to just leave it be and get out of there. Instead of walking the two or so miles back through the woods to Keith's house, the men decided to walk down the road. But that also kind of felt odd since they still had their guns. Mm -hmm. So they called Keith's dad to come pick them up. His dad was like, what the heck is this all about? Like, this is super weird, Keith. (laughs) You got some spleening to do. Yeah. Keith told him everything, not sparing a single detail. And believe it or not, Keith's dad was pretty positive that he knew who lived in that cabin. What? It was an older man named George. He was a pretty private guy. He kept to himself. He Mm -hmm. didn't really have any friends or anything, so nobody really knew all that much about him. But his dad knew that he works at a tire shop in town.
0: Oh, Interesting.
1: About a week later, Dennis dropped by Diane and Keith's place. He told Keith that he had an old tire that just so happened to need a patch. So they piled into the car and headed to the tire shop. Obviously, they were going there to see if they could sneak a peek at George. Right. Hopefully to rule him out of doing anything suspicious.
0: Sure. Like, yeah. are we
1: are we nuts for thinking that George <laughs> is stalking my it's, wife? Yeah, you know? Yeah. Like lurking outside of the family's home, creeping on his mm-hmm. wife and little daughter. So when they got there, the manager got them all checked in and then the manager like rolled the tire to the back and he yelled something like, George, we've got a tire that needs to be fixed. Yeah. So boom, they they got the man's name. Dennis and Keith stared back into the shop waiting for George to appear. After a few minutes, a man walked into the dimly lit shop area. He was older and -hmm. he was big. He was roughly six foot five. Oh, wow. So real tall. Yeah. He also had really long arms that he used to pick up the tire. When he stood up, he looked over at the men and locked eyes with them. The weirdest part about this interaction was George's eyes. They were an in intense gold color. And what? they also held like a flicker of recognition before he disappeared back into the shop and began working on the tire. When the tire was finished, George did not bother coming out. He simply rolled it back into the front area of the business without showing his face again, almost as if he was hiding or intentionally avoiding the men. Yeah, yeah. They brought the tire outside and put it in the truck bed. And when they looked at it, someone, George, had written a series of strange symbols all along the outside wall of the tire. Neither man knew what they meant, but they looked to be like an unknown alphabet or text of some kind, which is extra weird. (laughs) Keith got the sense that George was trying to communicate something with them. But what? Yeah. Keith made the decision not to call the police to like report any of this because the only thing that could be proven with his story was that he and Dennis tracked a man to his own home with guns in hand and that they purposely went to his place of employment. Right. Which would not look good for either of them. Yeah. He also decided not to immediately tell Diane because he knew that if he tells her his experience and what he's learned so far, that she would only freak out more. It would right. scare her more. Right. And once again, they can't really do anything about it. They they couldn't afford to move. Yeah. There was no point of telling her at that time, but he did encourage her to maybe invite a friend or her sister over in the evenings while he was at night school so that they wouldn't be alone. Yeah. Which was a, I'm sure for Diane, was like a notable difference. Yeah. Because he's essentially been like, You're not actually seeing anything. There's nothing there. Right. Like unintentionally, like, bordering on gaslighting a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because he's trying so hard to get her to just be okay. Right. You know? Yeah. In that moment. So
0: now she's, uh, or now he's encouraging her to believe it
1: and to have some backup just in case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Without officially telling her that he's seen anything. Yeah. So three months later in the early spring of 1982, Dennis called Keith and told him, hey, we're going to go for a ride really quick. Keith loaded into Dennis's truck and they pulled into George's driveway. Hmm. Keith was immediately like, no, we cannot bother George anymore. And that's when Dennis told him something surprising. Dennis's father enjoyed listening to the police scanner and he heard an announcement that George had died. Oh. They noticed a police officer that they were friends with. And so they went over to him and said hello and asked what had happened to George. He didn't tell them what had happened, but instead he told them, come take a look at what we found in his house. And this is where things get very, very, very weird. Oh, man. So inside of the tiny cabin, there was no furniture, no clothes, no food. The home did not look lived in at all, despite the fact that George had lived there for several decades. Hmm. And that's when the deputy led them to a side room. They opened the door to the unlit room and were hit with a distinct smell of wet dog, which was weird because there were no dogs on the property at all. Oh, yeah. The walls in the room were covered with plate steel from top to bottom. Attached to the steel wall were 10-foot strands of heavy chains with shackles on the ends of them, clearly being used to restrain something. So like I said, there were no lights in the room, but when the officer used his flashlight to look around some more, the men all noticed deep claw marks on every inch of the walls. Some had been there for a long time because they were like rusted over and some scratch marks looked to be newer. It looked like years worth of claw marks all along the walls made at different times. The men all stood in silence, staring at each other in complete disbelief, none of them wanting to say the word that they were all thinking out loud. Oh my Do you gosh. have any guesses as to what the word might be that uh, they were thinking?
0: They're thinking that he's a werewolf? Yes, a werewolf. Crazy. But that's what? impossible,
1: right? <laughs> After George's death and the visit to the cabin, there was never another stalking incident at the Williams home. George had no family, and he only left behind a jar of silver coins, And he was eventually buried in London, Ohio. The Williams family still has no idea or no explanation for what happened to them.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And that is what I have for you today.
0: What? That's crazy. That's
1: nuts. That
0: took so many turns I was not expecting. I told you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's, oh my goodness. What year was that again?
1: 81 and 82.
0: Okay. Wow. So there's... Oh, wow, that's like, it feels so, it seems kind of far away now, but it still also feels so recent. I like, know,
1: 40 years ago?
0: Yeah, oh my goodness.
1: Well, in Ohio has so many Dogman stories,
0: mm-hmm. so wow. many Dogman
1: stories, which is also interesting to that's me. That's
0: so strange, huh?
1: And they never got a glimpse of whatever the thing was. Yeah. Like they never saw it, but they did see golden eyes. And that it was huge.
0: Yeah. It's so, it's, this is a a very rare scenario for me because usually I have some kind of a response or reaction or or (laughs) like some, some thoughts floating in my head. And I, I, I'm just dumbfounded. That really was a doozy. Doozy. (laughs) That was a real doozy. It was a twist I was not expecting. Wow. That is, that's really crazy. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to keep repeating myself if I don't stop. So thank you so much for sharing that story. I'm going to thank welcome. you before I thank anybody else because that's a great one. Oh, man. Everybody else, thank you so much for listening to the unusual, unsettling, and unsavory story today. I got goosebumps a few times. I got, I was just following that whole story the whole time. Like, really like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. But that was... Whew. If you haven't already, please make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite listening platform and that you leave a glowing five-star review. Those reviews help other people who listen to these kinds of podcasts to find this one. So that's a great way to help out and support your favorite or one of your favorite podcasts. Um, Also, make sure that you are following us on social media. We are on Instagram and TikTok at This One Is A Doozy. And on Facebook, This one's A Doozy podcast. You can also connect with us more directly over on Patreon. My love, why don't you tell them about Patreon?
1: Yeah, so you can follow the link in our Instagram bio or our Facebook about section, or you can go to patreon.com slash doozypod. And for $5 a month, you can support our show. Subscribers over on Patreon get access to exclusive, Mm -hmm. very special Mm -hmm. bonus content twice a month, which sidebar for our patrons that are listening, we have one coming up. We have an extra one coming up in the next couple of days. So, yeah, head on over, support the show, and you'll get access to bonus content.
0: That's right. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week for another doozy. Bye.